Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. You're listening to The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition, using the best in the world to judge the best in the world. Hello and welcome to The Drinking Hour from Food FM. I'm David Kermode. This week, how a mythical sea creature has given birth to a distillery that's breaking boundaries when it comes to sustainability. It's on the Isle of Wight and it's called Mermaid, or the product is at least. We'll talk to one of its founders, plus later on some medal-winning gins from the IWSC Hall of Fame, and there are plenty. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. The Isle of Wight Distillery is yet to celebrate its first decade in business, yet it's already celebrated not just for the quality of its gin and vodka, but also for its work on sustainability from sourcing to production and notably to the bottle itself, which is completely free of plastic. Uh, more on that to come in case you're wondering where on earth the plastic is in a glass bottle of spirit. All this has resulted in it recently, back in November, becoming a B corporation. And if that is new to you, then we'll explain what that means too. It's a big deal. Mermaid Gin has been followed by sister iterations, a pink gin, a citrus zest one, and there's also a salt vodka too. All the products share a remarkable list of locally sourced ingredients, including that citrus believe it or not, in this country. Uh, Xavier Baker is one of its co-founders, and he joins us uh, from the island now. Xavier, uh, welcome to The Drinking Hour. Thank you, David. Great to be here. It's great to have you. And uh, I'm a bit biased here, I suppose, because I grew up on the Isle of Wight, and I got terribly excited when I realised there was a distillery at last. And because uh, when I was growing up, I think Burt's beer was about the only thing that was uh, boozy that was made on the Isle of Wight. Yeah, but that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Inventor, <laughs> I think. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's uh, the Isle of Wight distillery created, well, less than a decade ago. Tell us about the distillery and about the creation of uh, Mermaid Gin. Thanks, David. So it, it's nice to mention your Burt's Brewery there, because that, that was where I started off in, in the brewing trade. Oh. So um, I was at the old Burt's, which was later began Vendor Brewery, but I was there for yeah 15 years as a, a trainee brewer, and then um, yeah as a full brewer there. So happy days. Oh. But, uh, yeah, the Mermaid Gin and Isle of Wight Distillery. So uh, myself and Conrad Gauntlet. Uh, Conrad uh, is a winemaker here on the Isle of Wight uh, of 35 years at Rosemary Vineyard. Uh, myself a brewer since the age of 17. Uh, been good friends uh, for years and years. Always talking about bottling, fermentation, and filtration, all those sort of things. And uh, we said it'd be great to get a distillery underway, uh, make some gin, maybe some whiskey. And then in 2014, we set the company up. 2015, 1st of August, we sold our first bottle of Mermaid Gin. And ever since then, it's been a uh, 
warp speed uh, roller coaster ride, really, of uh, g- good fun and, uh, yeah, really good. Yeah, but I tell you what, the gin world, it's a crowded market. There are a lot of gins. The gin boom is uh, well known. And you don't just kind of launch a gin. You've got to really have a a good idea about what you're going to do and what your USP is going to be and all of that kind of thing. So how did you go about creating something like Mermaid? Because it's really good. It's very special. Oh, thank you. So I suppose coming from from the brewing background, you, you try and get, get that vision in your head of what you want your end product to to, to taste, look, smell, aroma, strength, everything else. And uh, with, with the Mermaid, we wanted to be um, smooth, easy drinking, one that would be of an evening, handful of gin and tonics, but equally stand up well in a martini. Um, also bringing in a bit of a local element as well. And that's where uh, Rock Samphire comes in. Uh, which we wild forage on the south side of the island, um, not far from Ventnor, as you mentioned. And the, the, the rock samphire is what gives our gin that sort of hint of sea air. Um, its nickname is Mermaid's Kiss, uh, which is a, a nice little story, really, where the rock samphire grows underneath, underneath the cliffs just above the high tide line. It was um, back in the day where all the sailors and fishermen, if they were shipwrecked, they would swim ashore, clamber over the rocks, wait till they found the rock samphire and they knew they were above high tide so they were safe to relax and wait to be rescued so um like when you're kissed by a mermaid you're safe from drowning so uh it's quite nice so mermaid's kiss is the uh the, the local nickname for the rock samphire so um which is is our sort of yeah key botanical uh, along with uh lemon zest which gives a vibrant citrusy note in, into the gin we um also use grains of paradise which gives that sort of smooth peppery notes in in the gin as well and as as a garnish we'd recommend cucumber Uh, we find that's quite a nice refreshing savory middle ground between the rock samphire and and the lemon zest with a whole host of other botanicals that we use as well yeah and the rock samphire uh, is a great idea and brings you that connection to the sea which is everywhere you go on the isle of wight you can pretty much see the sea and it's, it's so it's a, it's a really good bit of local sourcing but going through your ingredients list i was really struck as i say i grew up on the island but i was there were loads of things i had no idea you could guess on the isle of wight including citrus True. So um, we, we launched uh, in the summer of 22, the um, Mermaid Zest, which we've um, is, is grapefruit led. Uh, we're also using bergamots and lemons grown here on the island at Osborne House in Queen Victoria's old Victorian walled garden, where there's one lemon tree and one bergamot tree. And uh, talking to the farmers, uh, the farmers, the gardeners, sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> up at Osborne House, they were delighted to work with us. Uh, to make good use of the fruits so um yeah it, and the lemons they're huge juicy lemons so yeah really great to use them in the zest gin really good it's bizarre because the isle of Wight has a microclimate and the areton valley where some of your other ingredients are from we'll come to yeah. the strawberries in a minute but you know it is famously fertile and and has this amazing uh microclimate and ventnor uh, we were mentioning just now um is protected from the north basically by and again has this this microclimate and i know some of your ingredients come from the botanical gardens there but let's go yeah. back to that citrus um, because that's um up in east cows and that's sort of that that's facing north and yet 
they're able to grow lemons and, and, and grapefruits and, and, and bergamot and so forth. How can they possibly do that? Are we talking glass houses here? No, they're, they're on the north uh, of, of the red brick wall it, um, facing south. Right. And uh, that the gardeners put fleeces over them um, from the end of September through, through to April. Talking to the, the gardeners, that we actually have two harvests uh, here on the island which is, is very, very unusual. So in the Mediterranean, they will be harvesting end of August, September. But over here, the, the fruits that haven't ripened off, they're, they're protected by, by the fleece on, on the tree. It, when the fleece is taken down in early spring or mid-spring, the, the, the heat from the spring allows them to ripen off. So it's quite bizarre. We have two harvests. So it gives us a good chance to make a good few batches of distillate for, for the zest gin so yeah harvest september then the, the, the second one in in april yeah so you've got the citrus uh from osborne house we've mentioned the rock samphire uh, from the coast from the sea uh, shore via uh by ventnor now the botanic gardens what are you getting there uh so bodicea hops so they have a hop garden which is literally right on the cliff edge it's the closest hops grown in the country to the sea um, you can throw a stone from the hop garden and the stone will land in the sea. It's that close. So, uh, so they're Bodicea hops and they, they work very well with our Angelica roots in, in, in the gin. They're like spicy, earthy character. Beautiful hops. Again, let's like say with the microclimate in Ventnor, it's just ideal. And being a brewer at heart, it's just nice to have a, a small amount of hops in, in our gin as well. Mm, what do they add just out of interest? Because I wouldn't necessarily expect to find a hop in a gin. I don't know whether that's just because I don't know enough about gin, but uh, w- w- what's that bringing to the party? It, it, the, the characteristics of the, the, the Bodicea hops is it's like spicy and slightly, slightly earthy. Uh, and, and so with the Angelica root, those two just work hand in hand. So uh, yeah, they, 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 they pair off well together. And I say it's just a little nod to, uh, to the brewing side of things as well. Yeah. And of course, um, it's not a gin without juniper. Um, you can't be getting juniper on the Isle of Wight for sure. Well, there are seven juniper bushes on, on the island. Uh, the trouble is, if we were to harvest any of those berries, the locals would know exactly where they've, where they've gone. So uh, mm-hmm. we best leave those alone. Uh, the Botanical Gardens, again, they are growing some juniper, uh, some berries, but they haven't had a harvest yet. And there's only a handful of trees there or bushes there. So commercially, it wouldn't really be uh, able for us to use. So, uh, but, so we, we, we sourced them from Macedonia. And is there a kind of a care going into the sourcing there? I can't imagine, given the, the lengths you go to to get ingredients, I, I, I can't imagine that you just buy any old juniper. No, that's true, David. Yeah, so we work with um, a father and son uh, team or company, Beacon Commodities, and we've worked with them from day one. Uh, they are a, a great couple of chaps, and they spend a lot of time and effort travelling all around the world, uh, meeting the farmers of all sorts of botanicals, just to make sure, A, the quality's there, they're fairly traded, ethically sourced. Uh, so they do a lot of the hard work for us and give us the guarantees that they're good quality and from a good source as well. I promised uh, I'd mentioned the pink gin as well. And um, when yeah. I tasted this, um, I, I did so with a, a degree of trepidation because I'm quite old-fashioned in my gin tastes. I like it to be juniper led i like good citrus it's why i like the original mermaid gin so much but um but actually um and pink gin can sometimes be a little bit sweet for me but you've managed to 
um, avoid any kind of um, sort of cloying sweetness um, with uh, the, the pink gin. Again, I, I'm assuming that's entirely deliberate. It's a style thing. It, it is. And it was a difficult one to try and get the sweetness level right because you know, a little bit of sweetness from, from the strawberries. There's the natural sugars in the strawberries, um, but without going too sweet. So we're trying to sort of you know, keep the disconcerting gin drinker happy. But also for people that like might something sweeter, it's a stepping stone for them into the gin world as well. So the the, the strawberries come from, from Arizon Valley, uh, from Ben Brown, who's a, a, a local farmer and good friend, and they're the 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 ugly wonky strawberries that aren't beautiful enough to go into strawberries and cream. So um, we get them from him, um, and yeah, he, he charges us for them. Uh, being a farmer, no chance of us getting them free, um, <laughs> and so we infuse those in our in our mermaid original. Split the batch, redistill it, and then add them back together. So that's how we get the the pink, real sort of vibrant, sort of fruity notes in there. A slight bit of pink hue, and then we also have the natural sugars remaining in there as well from the strawberries. Yeah, it's it's a, a really good uh, drink. Actually, I was very very impressed. <laughs> and all this local sourcing, this this um, plays into your kind of sustainability story. You've just been in the last couple of months made a B Corp. Uh, now, um, B Corp is still a relatively new thing. I wasn't even sure myself what it was until a, a year or so ago. So just explain what B Corp status means. Yeah, thank you, David. It's, a, it's something we, we're hugely pr- proud about. Um, it's something we've been wanting to be accredited for a good few years. The, the process has taken us just over two years to actually gain the accreditation. Um, and it, it shows uh, as a company how we operate and every decision we make through the company there's a consideration to the impact on the environment. And we're, you know, again, fortunate we've got absolute dream team here at the distillery. Everybody's like-minded, you know, conscientious of the environment and our impact, but also how you operate to your local community, you know, whether it be um, customers or just people in the local community. So we do certain local charity things to support uh, underprivileged. Also with Hampshire Wildlife Trust, Surface Against Sewage, um, helping to monitor the um, the seagrass meadows here, on, here, just off the island in the Solent. So we're fortunate we have the longest seagrass meadow in Europe from Osborne Bay to Benbridge Ledge, just off of us here. So to help, uh, we get down there in the welly boots, uh, help from the monitoring, collecting the seeds, planting the seeds. So yeah, it's good fun to get involved in that generally for the right reasons, being surrounded by sea on the island. But also with, with B Corp, it's also how you work with your customers. And it's it's just not all about profit, really. It's it's about putting something back into people and the planet as well. Why did you want this um, status, this B Corp status? Personally, it's something I'm hugely passionate about. And I think it's something that businesses, we need to rely on businesses to make the changes um, without getting too political. I think it's over to the businesses to really, we're the ones that can help make those decisions and do the right thing, you know, using, using, uh, your business as a, as a force for good yeah and you can't just apply for b corp status can you you've got to earn it you get presumably inspected and so forth yeah we do it, it is very rig- rigorous uh and, and quite quite rightly so so a lot of things we were doing already anyway but we didn't have them put in the right formats and we've had to again work with all of our suppliers as well you know and understand what their sustainable goals are on, on the horizon to be more sustainable trying to achieve net zero down the line. And some of them are well and truly on that road. And other companies that 
so oblivious is a bit harsh, but they're really like, you know, it's not really on our agenda, but working with them, to like how, how can they start to work on those goals already? So it's, um, it's just everybody working together. And I think also being transparent with each other as well. You know, we've made some great innovations with our tamper-proof seal on the, on the bottle, which is made from potato and cornstarch, working with Viscos to develop that um, compostable tamper-proof seal. And again, you know, we're keen to share that with other distilleries, yeah, all work together for, uh, for the right reasons. Well, the bottle is definitely worth talking about. It looks great. Um, we'll come to the look in a second, but let's keep on the <laughs> uh, sustainable path for now because um, you are uh, offering a, a genuinely 100% plastic-free bottle. And people might think, well, I don't get, I don't get plastic on a, a, a glass bottle anyway, but that's not strictly true, is it, when it comes to things like seals and labels and that sort of stuff? That's it, yeah. There's so many parts of it with the glues, the inks, the adhesives, everything. So we've spent a lot of time going working with the suppliers to make sure they are, um, whether it be compostable or sustainable, it is hard to achieve uh, plastic-free. And we were very proud to be the first plastic-free spirits bottle uh, accredited out, out on the market. And, um, and and also winning awards with the IWSC uh, for best bottle design, uh, and it was really nice to hear a comment from one of the judges saying that compromise was made, um, you know, with sustainability in mind as well. Yeah, and that's just it because uh, it just looks great. So sometimes, you know, when something is uh, sustainably made, you have to accept there's a compromise. Uh, it might be a physical compromise, um, but there is no compromising, I, I don't think, with your bottle. Um, to, for those who haven't seen it, just explain, you know, try and paint a picture what it looks like and what inspired the bottle design. Yeah, so um, a, a mermaid bottle um, is, uh, is, is wrapped in mermaid scales, so it's a very tactile bottle to feel. Um, we've taken all sorts into consideration, so it's bartender-friendly, balance formulas, swing formulas, uh, the colour of, of the glass is uh, is a marine turquoise to represent um, a beautiful sea here off the Isle of Wight. Might be pushing the colour of the Isle of Wight, but certainly the Mediterranean. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and we wanted it to be a, something of beauty um, that people wouldn't want to just throw in recycling. People would want to keep, reuse, make it into a vase, candle holder or People are chopping them in half and making things out of them, which for us is exactly what we wanted to achieve from, from the outset. And it's nice to – a report was put out last year. Uh, it wasn't by eBay, but it was about eBay, that um, our mermaid bottles are the highest value empty selling bottles on eBay, which um, is, is great. And hearing stories from pubs around the country that are selling the empty bottles for £5 and the five pounds going in the local charity pot, and, and how much they've raised for each local charity is, um, yeah, it's great to hear, and that's that's what we want. Oh, it's lovely. It, it's really good to hear. I, I had no idea there was a kind of secondary market in your um, bottles. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, but they, yeah, they yeah, it's crazy. Do yeah. look great. Yeah, they look really great, and um, it, it also speaks to a kind of premium uh, price point, and, and and you're definitely at a um, a reasonably premium. Uh, price point too. Uh, when you're creating a gin, um, how important is it to get that kind of section of the market really clear, really right in the first place? Your price point. Price point. It, it, it is difficult, and you know, challenging times now and things. But the, the, the cost of time and effort, the bottle, the sourcing of the best quality ingredients we, we can we can get, um, it does come to that price. So hopefully, you know, people will have a bit of confidence when they buy a bottle of mermaid gin. They're contributing posit- positively to people and the planet. Um, that you know, it is a good investment, and uh, the liquid tastes great. 
And uh, if you want to pop your empty bottle on eBay, you can. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll have mine with something in it, to be honest. But uh, that's just me. Uh, you've done really well. You had, I was looking through the, the medals you've won. So the IWSC sponsors of this program, um, 97 points for the Mermaid Gin, uh, the regular gin in 2021, uh, 95 for the vodka, which we've not mentioned yet. We'll uh, talk about that in a sec. Um, you've got um, a gold for that pink gin we were talking about just now um, this year at the IWSC. You're doing really well. Um, it's fair to say that the products have been very well received, isn't it? Yeah, we're really, really pleased. I mean, there's a lot of gins out in the market. So to have one that can shine through, um, something we're all hugely proud of, you know, and uh, all the distillers, everybody spends so much time and effort making sure the liquid, the gin is, you know, consistent each time. Every time you have a mermaid gin and tonic, it's the same as you remember the last one, not, you know, different batch by batch. You know, we do operate small batches, but every every bottling run or every bottle is signed off by the three distillers or three distillers have the taste test yet happy before it goes to bottle and to what extent when you're developing a product like this do you have to think about um the the pairing to think about the tonic because um you know most people don't drink neat gin uh, but they do drink it in a cocktail on diluted uh, or perhaps mixed with something else most people though I, I would say are probably having it with tonic so how do you factor in that when you're creating this this product to be honest i don't think when we're in creation factoring in the tonic to go with it it's just making sure which we probably should but it's making sure that the liquid, that the liquid is what we wanted to achieve and then once we're happy with the liquid let's try and find the right tonic to pair pair with our, our final product um and, and fortunately now there's some fantastic tonics out there fever tree have been fantastic with us from day one you've got uh, franklin's double dutch you all with different variants and types so it's depending what you like there's so many variations and combinations to uh, to try yeah there is and uh, it uh, not all gins uh, are uh, as good uh, as others with with tonic but yours definitely sits really comfortably with a with a, a good tonic um uh, the, the the brands you've just uh, mentioned you know would be my fever tree naturally light is probably my uh, preferred option but that's just a slice of cucumber Happy yeah day. delicious <laughs> really nice delicious and of course you could grow the cucumbers on the isle of wight for sure that's um uh, that's definitely got the climate. And also afterwards, they go lovely in the cheese, cheese uh, and cucumber sandwich. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. And the Isle of Wight, for those who don't know the island well, um, I grew up there, you grew up there. Yeah. Um, it has transformed, uh, frankly, since I moved away. Uh, it, it's got um, the most amazing kind of local sourcing kind of food culture. There are, uh, I'm a big fan of New Zealand for that. And there is a little nod to that New Zealand um uh, sort of food culture, I think, on the island these days. W- would you agree? Yeah, very much so. We've, we've been we're very fortunate, as you mentioned. You know, we, we're lucky to have the microclimate here on the island as well, which helps us with fanta- fantastic produce. So we've got the the tomatoes that the island's famous for. Uh, we've got the other white garlic, various different types of garlic and sauces mm. and chutneys, and the garlic farm. They offer a fantastic um, a place to go have some have some lunch. That's for sure. Um, we've got. A line of white cheeses. We've got some great beers from Goddard's Brewery here on the island. Pretty good gins. Yes, you <laughs> um, have. And then, but also we've got some of the outlets. You know, some great chefs on the island. We've got very fortunate, fantastic seafood around as well. Some great pubs and little coves. So there's some great places to go and eat and enjoy the local produce as well. Yeah, and you've got a lot of support from 
uh, local hospitality as well. You see Mermaid Gin behind pretty much every bar, I would say. Yeah, we, we, the Isle of Wight has been really supportive of us from day one, you know, which is uh, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's been really overwhelming and, and to help us get us to where we are today. Yeah, and you seem to be innovating a lot. Um, I promised I'd mention the vodka. Um, that's been around a little while. The, it's a salt vodka, is that right? Correct, yeah. yeah. So the mermaid salt vodka, yeah. So, so the idea of that when came to be in the early days when I was trying to pull the formula together for, for the mermaid gin, and I was using a standard gin, steeping and macerating certain botanicals, trying them all individually to get a true understanding of each botanical, each addition. And I added some uh, some white sea salt uh, and then tasted it. And the, the gin, the standard I was using at the time, just went super smooth. I said, well, that's really interesting. Anyway, then carried on with rock samphire and the rest of botanicals for mermaid gin. And then uh, thought, right, well, let's bring a, a vodka out. And then, you know, vodka's all about being smooth and trying to tie in with the mermaid theme, Isle of Wight, local, coastal, the sea salt. So added a small amount of sea salt just before bottling. And with the vodka, it just gives an absolute sort of smooth, savoury note on, on, on the palate, which sets you up for so many cocktails. And when we go into the, into the bars in London, talk to the mixologists, yeah, they, they all appreciate and enjoy the gins, but they're the vodka that's what i've been waiting for i'm just working on a cocktail i need this savory note in here and um it, it works with so many things and it's um yeah it's a great great vodka yeah and it's worth coming along to taste some of these things you you're as i understand it i've not been i know exactly where you are because um you're at the wishing well uh, a pub i used to go to well, i probably did some of my um early age underage drinking there i suspect not that uh, i would encourage that it's irresponsible and all the rest of it but it's a um but you're you're i think in quite a small location but you can come along and um and taste and buy there and look i think through a glass screen at the distillery too that's right isn't it very much so yeah so i said we're in the old wishing well pub which um susie mentioned that to anybody everybody's got stories from back in the day uh <laughs> being down here in the old folk scene and years ago and all sorts so but it's um very much um it's quite a casual approach everyone's welcome you can come in we've got local beer you can come have a tea a coffee cocktail gin and tonic you can see that all the stills in action behind the glass um we've got some tasting panels tasting boards and there's a little shop uh, in the corner as well so um yeah please anybody's coming to the island yeah more than welcome pop in and come and say hello yeah it sounds great really good idea um what's next then because you seem to be restless uh sort of developers of new things have you got other products in the pipeline at the distillery maybe <laughs> <laughs> we are we are working on uh, a couple of new products um which all being well um should be released in the spring next year but um, yeah, David, I might have to uh, give it a heads oh, up yeah. off air on that one for the moment. Uh, okay, all right. Well, uh, uh, just tease us. That's fine. Yeah, I had a feeling there'd, there'd be something else in in, in the pipeline. <laughs> um, where did you learn your your distilling skills? Because you you mentioned um, Burt's Brewery, Ventnor Brewery. Um, you mentioned your your background as a as a brewer. But where where did you pick up this this knowledge of of um, of distillation? So um, I went to Ireland uh, Brewing to set a brewery up in Ireland. I was employed to set a brewery up from scratch, uh, and during my time in Ireland, uh, met some whiskey distillers over there, and then just really got into the distilling side of things understand they were very helpful and supportive I met a couple of uh, pachin distillers in, in ireland as well the, the, the best pachin distillers in, in the county kerry which uh, they were a couple of interesting chaps and small stories on them down the line but um but after 
uh, in time with the, the whiskey distillers in Ireland, then went to Scotland with the Institute of Brewers and Distillers, uh, did a course up there, uh, then came back to the island. And to be honest, it's been making learning curves, really. Um, and over, over the previous seven years, made plenty of learning curves. Uh, Conrad's very much into distilling as well. And we've got the distilling team that, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're beyond us now on their, um, their knowledge of distilling. They're um, very fortunate to have a great team. Yeah, well, it's it's great for the island too uh, to have you uh, doing that. It's just another great Isle of Wight uh, product, uh, frankly. So that's uh, really good news. So congratulations on that and on the uh, award success that you've enjoyed, both on the design side, but most importantly, you know, the quality of what's uh, in the bottles. Um, just before you go, I have uh, you're obviously a um, a sort of glutton for punishment because um, I also read, I think, on your website or elsewhere that you're also going to row across the Atlantic for charity. Uh, is that next year or the year after? That's true. Yes. So uh, 2023. So, um, yeah, we're taking part um, in the Atlantic campaigns, um, Atlantic Row. So uh, myself, Paul Berry, who's ex-Royal Navy and a longshoreman from Ventnor, and Manny, Chris Mannion, he uh, owns Ice Surf, uh, surf school here on the island. Um, yeah, a 3,000-mile row from... Uh, Lagomera and the Canaries across to Antigua. So, um, yeah, please do. If it's interesting to follow our journey, keep a lookout for uh, Mermaid Atlantic. And you're raising money for charity doing this as well. This isn't just for we, fun. We, we are. So so part of it is to raise uh, money and awareness for uh, the sea, Seahorse Trust down in Studland Bay. Um, and just, again, trying to protect the, the seagrass meadows down there, which is a vital habitat and breeding ground for uh, for the seahorses. Surface Against Sewage, that uh, if anybody's not aware of them, a lobbying body that given the government a hard time on how the, the water companies are just putting neat effluent into our rivers and water systems where we all like to go for a swim, surf, paddleboard and things. Um, and the Hampshire Isle of Wight Wildlife Trust, which uh, have all sorts of projects, but one of them is the seagrass here in Solent as well. So uh, just trying to raise awareness for the marine conservation and uh, preservation of, of the seagrass. Well, uh, wish you the best of luck uh, with that. Uh, it's an incredible um, challenge. And as you say, uh, the people, the charities, the groups that you're supporting are very much um, in touch with the, the current zeitgeist, I think. Uh, so uh, so well done for, for, for that. Um, and uh, most importantly, well done for just um, making a, a really delicious uh, sort of suite of of drinks uh, mermaid gin continues to sort of impress people i i put it in front of and as i say it's enjoyed those uh, those medals too so many congratulations look forward to hearing about what's next uh, we won't uh, i won't try and tease anything else out of you yet but do come <laughs> back uh, and in the meantime xavier thanks ever so much for talking to us here on the drinking hour thank you david and do come over and come and see us will do thank you the drinking hour on food fm you're listening to the drinking hour with david kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition, using the best in the world to judge the best in the world. Right, let's round off with a celebration of medal winners from the IWSC in 2022. Uh, We're talking gin this time for obvious reasons. And let's start with a result that uh, we uh, alluded to uh, a little earlier, a gold medal for the Isle of Wight Distillery. Mermaid Pink Gin won 95 points. The judges 
including self-confessed gin nerd Olivier Ward, a previous guest here on The Drinking Hour, and a member of the IWSC Spirits Judging Committee. What he doesn't know about gin isn't really worth knowing. Uh, Here's what they had to say. Beautiful shade of pink, bright citrus zest to the nose with bags of strawberry aromas paired with mint and juniper. Sweetness on the front and a welcome dry note on the finish makes you go back for more and more, they said. And I would personally echo that. It really isn't too sweet, which is really great for a pink gin. Uh, Next, uh, a trophy winner representing Best in Show, a gold medal winner with 98 points. Opier Aromatic Bitters Gin. The judges, including Joel Harrison, a regular here on The Drinking Hour, said this. Lovely light lemon notes, slightly floral with coriander, herbs and pepper aromas shining through on the nose. Well-balanced palate with cardamom, a soft butteriness and pepper combining with the citrus notes, creating a well-integrated and well-made interesting gin. Here's one that uh, won a gold as well, also with the... 98 points too. Uh, and it also got a gold in the gin and tonic category, um, a separate category, uh, because obviously um, we don't generally drink gin neat. So they've created a, a G&T category as well. Sepultsfield Road Distillers, Musicians Cut Gin, uh, the judging panel's tasting note, punchy pine on the nose with beautiful, vibrant citrus, Complex aromas of grapefruit peel, sherbet and delicate florals add to the flavour profile. Spices arrive on the palate and grip the taste buds along with rich spice. And in that specific gin and tonic category I mentioned, here's a a gin that's uh, new to me, actually. It was a trophy winner in the G&T category. Um, So best in show. I'd also won a gold medal uh, in that category, fairly obviously, because you wouldn't be in the trophy category if you didn't get a gold. Uh, Vanaganda Distillerius London Dry Gin. Uh, it won 98 points. It's a beautiful looking London Dry Gin. And uh, this one comes from uh, Galicia in uh, northwest Spain. Uh, finally, uh, a gold medal winner also in the GT category that uh, won a silver medal when judged as a gin on its own. Uh, Trading Tides Gin, uh, this one from uh, Third Eye Distillery in Goa in India. Uh, the judges said, the elegance of angelica root aromas lead onto a warming palate and pleasing mouthfeel. Citrus notes balance well with spices that linger enjoyably, well-balanced and also great length to those flavours. Well done to all those medal winners. And thank you uh, to Xavier Baker from the Isle of Wight uh, Distillery. If you've uh, yet to discover those uh, mermaid gins or the vodka, uh, then uh, I would highly recommend them. Maybe I'm biased because I'm from the Isle of Wight, but I I do genuinely think they're they're really great. Thanks to him. Uh, That's it for another edition of The Drinking Hour. Uh, You can follow us at Food FM Radio on Instagram or Twitter. I'm Mr. Venusaurus on Instagram and Twitter. If you like what you hear, then do please uh, rate us on uh, uh, your uh, platform if you are asked to do that and give us a positive rating. It all helps. Um, And even if you don't, thank you for listening and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. You're listening to The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition. Using the best in the world to judge the best in the world.